Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Space Jam in today's retro review episode. What's this? What's this? It's super califragilistic, expialidocious. What is this? A whole new world. What is this? I wasn't really sure uh, what today's episode was going to be about. I was haven't been able to see us yet. I'm seeing that this afternoon. Uh, so expect an episode on us uh, Wednesday or Friday or both. Uh, we'll see. But <clears throat> besides us, you know, I haven't really seen anything new. Uh, I've covered all the episodes for this month's um, span and, and, you know... I just wasn't sure where 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 the topic was going to come from. Uh, I was, you know, really pondering just pushing off today's episode to tomorrow and uh, making tomorrow's episode about us. But I did get a chance. Uh, you know, a lot of basketball happening this time of year. March Madness is in full swing. Uh, after a few years of not really paying much attention to it, I watched a lot of the games this past weekend and kind of got back into the spirit, back into the mood. And Saturday morning, before any of the games had started, uh, you know, 10, 9, 9.30 in the morning, 9 in the morning, Space Jam was on TV. And so I watched Space Jam. For the first time in about 10 years, uh, I saw Space Jam. And... Part of this episode is going to be, you know, just kind of reflecting on this movie that, you know, I kind of grew up with and was a big, big movie for me as a kid, but also sports movies. Um, and, and not, you know, the best sports movies and things like that, but sports in movies, because I think uh, they leave a lot to be desired, and Space Jam is is very, very guilty of, of that. So let's talk about Space Jam. If you don't know, for whatever reason, what Space Jam is, um, essentially the story goes that uh, an alien group of, of things uh, are looking to kidnap and enslave the Looney Tunes. Yeah. <laughs> and despite... You know, their first interaction with bugs is is pretty silly and fun, and it culminates with with them pulling out this enormous weapon, and uh, it's basically like a nuke attached to a gun, almost, and Bugs kind of does, all right, you got me, um, but you have to let us uh, challenge you to a game or you know it's it's got to be a competition you can't just kidnap us you know, there's rules to involved as he you know kind of ad-libs and makes fun which turns into a basketball game and they choose a basketball game because these aliens are very tiny very small very weak they would be very bad at basketball they're you know a foot tall if that and seems like a done deal so, uh, the aliens go to Earth, and they um, they absorb the powers of five 
currently active, high quality basketball players. You, you know, uh, <laughs> I would love to have been in the writer's room, like just trying to understand this plot and what they, you know, okay, you, you attach Michael Jordan to a movie with the Looney Tunes in it. How do you get from that to this uh, is is so crazy to me. I really don't understand how it got there. Anyway, um, so the, the, the aliens, um, and there's a term for them. They have a name. I don't. I think they are called the Nerdlux. Nerdlux. They're from Moron Mountain. Uh, anyway, they absorb the, they steal the talents from Charles Barkley, Sean Bradley, Patrick Ewing, Larry Johnson, and Muggsy Bogues. Uh, which, in and of itself, has its own ridiculous side plot where all the NBA players that didn't have their power stolen are now afraid to play, afraid to go into the locker room, afraid to do all these things. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> Um, we spend a lot of time like watching the other players trying to get back to their skills, trying to hypnotize themselves, uh, try to pray, uh, therapy, um, they go to a, a soothsayer, fortune teller person, and it's all just bonkers. Meanwhile, um, the Looney Tunes discover that they're in some deep, deep shit now because their opponents are like 10 feet tall, huge, muscly, uh, just ridiculous people who are incredible at basketball. They are so, so, so good. Um, you know, they call them monsters, and uh, you get Sylvester. No, they're monsters, and that's ends up being the name of their team. Uh, so they need some help. Uh, so the other thing, though, is the movie takes place... Uh, in that little bit of grace period between uh, the dominance of the Chicago Bulls in the NBA, right after in the time where Michael Jordan has retired, he is now playing baseball, and that is why the 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 Nerdlucks did not find him. They didn't track him as a player because he's retired; he doesn't play basketball anymore. But no, the Looney Tunes, not good enough for them. So they grab Michael, they convince him to help him help them play basketball. They end up playing, and, you know, long story short, they win. I, <laughs> I remember this film, prior to watching it, I remembered it fondly. It's not a great film, I think it's, it's, an enjoyable movie as a kid, but I, I really didn't expect it to hold up at all. At you know, from a an effects standpoint, from an acting standpoint, I was sure Michael Jordan would be just just terrible um, as an actor. I, you know, Newman is in this. Uh, uh, Wayne Knight. You've got Bill Murray. You've got. Larry Bird and and just all the all the basketball players that show up, um, I, none of it made sense. None of it none of it was going to work in my opinion, and actually it's not 
as bad as I was worried it was going to be. Um, I thought it was going to be awful, and it turned out to be solid. It's not a great movie still, but despite all the, the failings and shortcomings it has, it's really still such a fun movie. I, it moves a lot quicker than I remembered it doing. I, I remembered a lot more time spent watching at, on the basketball court in the final game, but it ended up felt a lot shorter than I remembered it. Um, and it just I don't know, it, it kind of just works. It, it, it's fun. It's, it's, it takes basketball, which, you know, you watch basketball, it's pretty easy to, to follow it if you don't really understand it. But the more you understand it, the, the you know, with most sports, it, it becomes far more technical, far more um, detailed than you really expected it to be. And the the film is completely uninterested in that, you know, the game takes place in Looney Tune land, so almost anything is possible. There's no such thing as a foul in Looney Tune land. You can, you know, at one point, Wayne Knight's character gets flattened like a pancake, and then, you know, the, the emergency team comes out, they pump him up with air, and then he just, you know, exhales all that air across the room as he finally deflates and turns into a normal human again. It, it just, it's ridiculous. And and to ever expect a basketball game to make sense in Looney Land is, is silly, and, and you shouldn't think that. But on the other hand, I think... I thought the animation and the interaction between the animation and the live-action characters wasn't terrible. Uh, it's certainly no Mary Poppins Returns, but I think it... And I, it's been a while since I've seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit, but it's probably on par with that. Uh, maybe a little lesser, simply because Michael Jordan isn't really an actor and probably a lot more difficult for him to interact with nothing. Um, so, you know, in, it wasn't so bad that I, I couldn't, that I felt taken out of it, but it, it definitely did feel, um, like the animators had to work overtime to make things kind of fit the, the, the scene and, and what was happening, uh, especially a lot of the moments that are on the basketball court with Jordan, when Jordan has the ball and they're playing with, um, the other, you know, when he's, you know, he's being trapped by all the uh, monsters, it, it does kind of come across as like, Ooh, I don't know about that one, but other times it works. So you know, uh, it, it 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 has its ups and downs. It has its ups and downs. Uh, the film shows us. Uh, Young Michael Jordan, you know, learning how to play basketball. We see him, you know, rise through high school, college, you know, win three championships, then retire, go on to play baseball. Um, the movie was made in 96, or released at the end in November of 96. Uh, it, it ends with Jordan returning to the NBA, uh, which he did in 1995. I think... What is interesting, so the movie was clearly made with Jordan knowing he was returning to basketball. I don't know if it was made after 
or before he had officially announced it. But what I think I think is so fascinating is that the film treats his bat his baseball career just so poorly for the first ninety five percent of the movie, and then when he returns from Looney Tune Land after they win and he arrives at the baseball field in a spaceship Wayne Knight exits first and pulls out a bullhorn and you know announces Michael Jordan as if he's the greatest baseball player of all time which he certainly was not um however you know his celebrity is not really over exaggerated you know it 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 just it comes across as almost like I think what what I like about that moment is he's coming to play baseball and we spent this whole movie getting him to play basketball but the fanfare and the the sort of awe of it is not at all about the baseball you know we we see this happen and it it makes it seem like Oh man, he is returning right now, in a sense. And then he emerges in this baseball uniform. Uh, and it, it really does kind of, I don't know, it has this weird juxtaposition. I think the movie struggles with this a lot in that it doesn't want to belittle Jordan's baseball career because you know he he wanted to follow in his father's footsteps his father played baseball he you know actually had mastered basketball he had pretty much done anything he could ever possibly have done with that in that sport and I don't think it's wrong of him to want to do something different but it definitely did does seem like he he wasn't enjoying baseball as much at least from not only this movie but just kind of the the real events of it all and so him entering this baseball field to me it kind of expressed like hey look he's back um but he also doesn't really uh he doesn't really want to be here he, he you know he enters on the spaceship and and that's kind of the fanfare he's been missing, right? This isn't a sport that reveres him, that holds him up, that that recognizes that he is one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, and at that point, uh, certainly, in my opinion, the greatest player of all time. Yet, you know, so so what do you... So so it's, it's that weird thing of now he's moving into... Now he's moving back to basketball and... Now he does get that fanfare, and it's justified, it's real, it's, it's, you know, yeah, this is the guy. You know, he is the one to beat. He is the, the, the bar that you hold everyone else to. And I think that's fun. And I think the movie does okay playing with that theme and, and working on that story. So, the basketball part of it. And, and oh, uh, one other thing. Um, is and I didn't realize this until this movie. Be, there's a scene r- short, shortly after they recruit Michael, and by recruit I mean kidnap, uh, where they um, they're practicing in in a 
you know, warehouse court. And Lola Bunny shows up. And I never realized, I think, until this time watching, this is the first time you ever see Lola Bunny. This is... You know, this is she's a brand new character at this point. I was, you know, I'd always expected, and uh, you know, born in '91, I I never realized that this is the first time she's ever shown up in Looney Tune World. And but watching it this time, I'm like, oh yeah, no, that makes total sense. Why else would you know all the other characters in Looney Tune Land are familiar with each other? They recognize each other as if they've been doing this for seventy odd years. 60 odd years at that point and then Lola shows up no one knows who she is Bugs is over the moon about her and uh, she's just this crazy new wild character that's all of a sudden alive kind of Um, and that was interesting I think in, a, in addition to all the other sort of milestones and impacts that this film has had, I you know the introduction of Lola Bunny is is a big one and a welcome one. I, I like her in this movie and I think she does, her character is a lot of fun. So that said, um, I, I am I think I had the movie rated at like a sixty four. Uh, prior to this rewatch, I'm going to drop it a few points into the 50s because it is old. It is very, very cheesy, uh, but it has a lot a lot of heart. I don't think Michael Jordan is quite as bad an actor as um, as I expected him to be. He's fine. He's absolutely just fine. And yeah, there's that. There's that. Um, all right, so let's talk about sports a little bit, and I'll, I'll springboard off of this with Space Jam. <laughs> I mentioned how there was no fouls in Looney Tunes Land. Very, very, very little of Space Jam follows the rules of basketball. All right, uh, you don't have uh, any semblance of a defense. It's literally just the five monsters moving from one. Moving from whoever has the ball to whoever gets the ball, uh, basically it's it's you know the fourth grade kids soccer team where it's just a clump of kids following the ball wherever it goes. That's what it looked like. Uh, every shot from the Monsters was a dunk, <laughs> pretty much. Um, every shot in the game really is a dunk. I don't remember a single three pointer taken uh, the whole time. Um, it, it really does feel very simple and childish, and it should because it's for kids. So you know they're not going to be, you know, you you spend five minutes watching, I don't know, Michael Jordan post up on somebody, and that's not going to be exciting to watch. It's slow. It doesn't help. But there is something to be said for following the rules of the game and and to that effect i'm not sure it's easy uh for basketball at least to follow the game as it's actually meant to be played and make that cinematic and i'm sure you can disagree and you know obviously watching march madness is a ton of fun and you know everybody watches the playoffs and and 
the NBA and, and they've had a lot of success and it's not difficult for someone invested in a game to get, you know, really, really into it and, and bated breath with every second. But that's very different from a movie. You can't just, you know, you, you couldn't, in a movie, it's going to be manufactured. You know, even in a movie that's about a real sport event, even in a movie that's about a real game and, and follows a real game, it still feels manufactured. The buzzer beater, the, the you know, the mistakes, the small, you know, the stepping out, a lot, out of bounds or a foul or a turnover, a steal, it just, it doesn't feel the same when it's in a movie. And I, I don't know if there's a way to overcome that. Because you, you can't, you want to have the camera not where it is when you're watching an actual basketball game. Because you don't want it to feel like you're in, at home on, watching it on the TV. You want it to feel like a movie. You want to be up in the players' faces. You want to follow them as they move down the court, as they dribble, as they shoot. You want to be right next to them. And you know those are obviously things shots you can't get in a real basketball game. And... If uh, you end up losing that authentic authenticity, it does, depending on the movie you're watching, kind of damage the result. Uh, so another movie, basketball movie, say, still for kids, but maybe a little step up, is like Mike, a uh, little Bow Wow find shoes that turn him into a player as good as Michael Jordan and that still has a lot of issues with showing basketball but it's definitely a lot better than Space Jam uh, you know it, it, it still show it shows real basketball being played it has uh, you know actual plays in basketball you know it, it most for the most part follows the rules outside of you know little bow wow is about four foot five in the movie and uh would not at all work in the nba um so you know the, there's different varying levels and i think basketball is not the most conducive sport to cinema um being cinematic some sports really do work a lot better like baseball it's a lot slower uh, you know the field is wide open. There's only one point of 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 one point of the field that you really have to pay attention to most of the time, and that's the batter and pitcher and that relationship and wherever the ball is. Uh, you can follow the trajectory of the ball. You can follow the hit. You can follow the strike. You can follow the player running base to base. It's a lot easier. There's a lot more wide open space for cameras to be set up and film this action you can probably get whatever you need from a real baseball diamond uh you look at something like football which is uh, far better than basketball maybe not quite as great uh for cinema as baseball is uh, but you know it's a game that has a lot of stops a lot of pauses uh there's a lot of wide open space easy to show a pass easy to show you know, a, a, a rush, um, you know, follow the quarterback, follow the, you know, linebacker, the wide receiver, whoever you want to. Uh, and 
it's interesting to me, you know, I'm someone who played, I didn't play football, I didn't really play basketball or baseball, I played tennis and soccer in school, and I, you know, Bend It Like Beckham is probably the best or most accurate soccer film I've seen, and it still leaves quite a bit to be desired, I think. Um, it, it, that's the, thi the thing with a sport that is so uh, unrefined, in a sense, as soccer, and maybe unrefined is the wrong word, unstructured, it's a sport where it's constantly in motion. Everything is constantly happening. All the you know players are constantly moving. And really, all the movie cares about is when they score. <laughs> and if you watch soccer, you know that that doesn't happen that often. Uh, and in a 90-minute game, 80 minutes are spent, at least 80 minutes are generally spent not scoring. Uh, so, you know, I think hockey has the same problem. It's a game where people are constantly moving, constantly happening. And if you really took the time to show a real hockey scene that makes sense it wouldn't ever look like it does in a movie like the mighty ducks or miracle or something you know it, it's just those movies are just it's a hit it's a check it's a shot it's a goal it's a penalty and everything else doesn't show up and like in soccer it's a tackle it's a shot it's a save it's a goal it's a red card and everything else doesn't show up and I think these sports are much more difficult to really show in, in a cinematic and, and exciting way. And uh, that's those are still shown better than tennis. I like the movie Wimbledon. I think it's fun. I like Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst. But, oh man... Uh, the tennis in that movie is horrendous. Uh, and, and coming from someone who plays, obviously it's a lot easier to notice these things, but like the positioning of the players and where they stand, the, the way they swing the rackets, the, you know, just the, the motions that they run, you know, the places on the court that they run to, where they hit the ball, it all, it all looks so wrong to me. Uh, I, I just, I have such a huge problem with tennis and movies. Um, and I think one of the things I liked about, um, oh, what was it? Oh, it was uh, the Emma Stone movie. Battle of the Sexes. One of the things I like about Battle of the Sexes is when the tennis happens towards the end of the film, they pull out. They show it on like a TV camera kind of thing and it works to give it not only the sense of um you know this is something that happened a long time ago and this is how they saw it back then but also like oh yeah we can actually do it exactly how it how it was we can actually show real tennis and uh again it's not perfect but it's a hell of a lot better than Wimbledon, which is just smash cut, smash cut, smash cut of this player diving out of the court, this player, you know, sliding on the grass, this player, you know, completely in the wrong position on the court in no man's land, taking, you know, a, a ground stroke that makes no sense. Um, and, and 
through all of it, though, there's one kind of central question as to whether or not your sport sequences are effective, and that is, are they carrying the emotions of the movie? Because at the end of the day, if you don't play the sport, if you're not very familiar with the sport, you don't really care if it's shown incorrectly. Sometimes. Maybe not. I don't know. I think accuracy to the sport is definitely important, uh, as it is with accuracy to a time period when you're in a period piece, as it is to accuracy to an action sequence. You know, if you give, um, you know, a revolver 50 shots without reloading, uh, you know, like that's... Eventually, you're going to strain credulity. Eventually, you're going to push someone, uh, you know, beyond what they're capable of accepting. If it's a six-shooter and you have them shoot eight shots, unless you're a very, you know, staunch and and um, <laughs> have to be by the book, you know, gun person, you don't care. Because, as far, you know, if you don't even recognize the gun, you don't even know how many shots that gun's supposed to have. So eight shots, fine. But you get to 15, and you lose a couple more people from, from that, you know, crowd. And you get to 20, 25, 30, and the further you take it, the further you push it, the less, the smaller the group of people who, who can suspend disbelief becomes. And the same thing is true with sports. You can you know, you know, cut your way through a basketball sequence and you might only alienate people who are like super into basketball or have played it pretty a lot. And then, you know, you cut it a different way and, you know, you're showing people, you know, shooting, I don't know, from from the half court line routinely, and and all of a sudden you lose a lot of other people who've watched a single game and know that you never shoot from that far away, and then you cut differently, and now you know every pass is you know a court you know an end and um, end line to end line pass, and every shot is a dunk, and you know it just you you're watching a basketball game and it turns into a dunk competition, and you know, it, it just, it, it slowly becomes more and more difficult to believe. But for anyone who can push past this, I think there's a little bit of gray area and wiggle room wherever that line eventually gets drawn. If the emotion is there, you can overcome some of these shortcomings. Overcome shortcomings. Uh, because you, to use Space Jam as an example... There's a lot of emotion involved in this game. If the Looney Tunes lose, they will be enslaved for all eternity. <laughs> uh, that's kind of high stakes. And at halftime, they are losing by a lot, a lot, a lot. And it is thanks to the water bottle labeled Michael's Secret Stuff from Bugs that allows them to uh, kind of gain confidence. And as you know... It's not really secret stuff. It's not special. It's just water. But the placebo effect of it all, the, you know, this Michael is amazing and this is what he drinks. And if I drink it, I'll be as good as him too. And then all of a sudden they get back out on the court and they're, you know, they're great. And it's silly. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's it's Bugs Bunny on a moped. It's Wiley Coyote uh, rigging the, their basketball net with rockets and bombs 
to explode the next time somebody tries to attack that attack the basket uh you know it's all these crazy things and of course obviously none of them that would ever happen in a real basketball game but the emotion is there and it's told in a way it's a story being told through the game and now they are succeeding now they are doing well they are beating the monsters they are coming into the room they are filled with confidence and in that sense it does work and if your movie can can kind of bypass the need for legitimacy the need for authenticity by imbuing the moment and imbuing the characters with enough emotion uh, then you don't really have to worry about it making as much sense anymore um, you don't have to worry about somebody fact-checking things and I think rather than being problems that destroy the movie and unravel it at the seams they're more nitpicks than anything else if you can make the scene successful without it being necessarily accurate to the sport you're watching and I, I think there's movies that are successful at this and movies that aren't and you look at something like Angels in the Outfield um, which is ridiculous <laughs> again like Space Jam and definitely shows things that could never ever happen in a real baseball game and because the movie is so much more focused on Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character and um, you know the angels element of the movie it's far less focused on actual baseball which makes sense because it's it's already a lot to convince your audience that there's an angel helping out uh, the baseball team but it's it's a lot more pressure on the filmmakers it's a lot more difficult for the people for the director and the writer and the actors and whatnot to to incorporate that fantasy element into a movie with you know the most stringent perfect uh, uh, accurate baseball rules ever and you know you, you gotta kind of find out and this is more of a test and error sort of thing, trial and error type of a thing, that you have to figure out where your your line is, where where you, how far you can go as a viewer into a sport before you, you kind of, the magic falls away. And honestly, I don't think there are not a lot of movies outside of, you know, baseball, and football for the most part that successfully pull off yeah this really happened or yeah this this makes sense uh, I would say Glory Road is one of the better basketball movies I've seen in that regard um, but even that has its own problems uh, you can look at something like Seabiscuit or, or, or you know horse racing is usually not too bad. Uh, I've only seen a couple of NASCAR movies, but those are all stupid uh, because, you know, a lot of NASCAR is just cars driving in a circle, and the exciting parts of NASCAR require uh, a more nuanced understanding of the, of the sport than you're able to really cut, get across in a movie, uh, which, you know, is what it is. Um... 
What else do we got? Uh, I don't know. Balls of Fury, ping pong. Uh, you know, I think a lot of the times you end up with these movies that elevate a sport to, you know, it, it turns the sport into Looney Tunes, right? You, you know, some of my favorite sports movies do that. Uh, I'm thinking of something like Shaolin Soccer. Not at all real soccer, but it follows its own rules. It works from a, an emotional and, and story standpoint that you don't need it to look like real soccer. It's Shaolin soccer. It, it's a completely different beast. And following and finding a way to, to present that that comes across as passable as the sport but effective in the way it tells its story, you know, that's that's the bar, pretty much. And anything above that is really impressive. Uh, and I think I would love to see, you know, a sports movie approach a sport from a John Wick standpoint does with action. Like, John Wick, perfect from an action standpoint. It, it knows exactly what weapons Keanu Reeves has and his his enemies you know, he's emptying clips in the middle of his fight sequences. It's, you know, clinical. It's pre-planned out. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's making the perfect motions to achieve the exact results he needs. And it looks amazing. It looks authentic. It looks real like it could have really happened. And I don't think we really have that in the sports sports genre. Not at all any in any way to the extent that we have with John Wick and action movies and other action movies too. John Wick is is far from the only action movie that's real accurate, but definitely the the one of the higher points in that genre. And I think it's a shame. <laughs> Honestly, you know, ra- uh, uh, wrestling and boxing I think are pretty well done most of the time. Uh Rocky, the Rocky series and and Creed and so on and so forth. I think do a you know wrestling is pretty pretty easy to make cinematic because it is pretty cinematic already. Um, they're boxing, boxing and wrestling, you know whatever. Uh, you know, look at Warrior, um, MMA fighting. That that sort of stuff is already cinematic because it's kind of just an action scene, right? It is just a fight sequence, and we've had a lot of those. You know, it's a very small transition to go from. A one-on-one fight from an action movie, like a I don't know, a karate movie, to a one-on-one boxing match. You know, that's very similar, and you just kind of switch up the style of fighting, and you're there. So, for that to that extent, I think it, it does work out um, quite successfully, and. Uh, I would love to see the same thing happen in a basketball movie, tennis, soccer, hockey. And I don't know if we're there yet, you know? I, I mean, actually, I'm sure we're there, but I, I don't know if the the need and desire and drive to, to pull it off is quite ready. And that is kind of the bigger question. So, all in all, all in all, I think... Sports movies have a long way to go. I would love to see something where, you know, if a shot, and maybe this has been done already, I'm uh, just not aware of it, but, you know, you put a GoPro camera 
on like a defender and you know have him follow the guy with the ball in basketball uh or i don't know you know i'm not sure how else you work it uh but i think it's it's got i think I think the pro I think the fact that we have such a problem filming authentic fit sports and and some of the sports uh, is why we don't have more of them more movies with those sports in them. Uh, golf is another one uh, which should be very easy to film, but doesn't appear to be. You know, it's you know what Tin Cup, Happy Gilmore. You know they Happy Gilmore takes golf and kind of turns it into hockey and like just to make it easier to watch I think um, it, it just it, it does have uh, you know it has its issues and difficulties so tough to say tough to say what the future may hold uh, for for sports movies I you know, I'm not like looking into them and I'm not looking to see what's coming out next. I know there is a Space Jam 2. Uh, so there's that. And we'll see how that goes uh, with um, the future. Uh, it's supposed to come out July of 2021. So we still have over two years before the LeBron James Space Jam movie. I'm curious to see what that looks like. Uh, one of the other things about Space Jam that I think is a little underreported, the music, the the soundtrack of Space Jam is incredible, uh, and I think um, definitely worth a listen and and reflection and uh, revisit if you haven't listened to some of those songs in a while because I think she's uh, really fun. The, or the soundtrack's really fun and um you know sounds great you know ignoring the r kelly of it all and and i believe i can fly which still a good song artist issues or not uh i think you know the, the, there's the i don't know I, i'm not i'm not gonna you know list all the songs but suffice to say the soundtrack Fly Like an Eagle, still a good song, unfortunately, or, or you know, from Seal, uh, you've got just Space Jam itself, Hit em High, which I like, um, just uh, Basketball Jones, I think is really fun, um, I don't know, it's a good, it's a good, it's a good soundtrack, check it out, alright, we're getting out of here. Um, that's it for Space Jam. That's it for sports movies. Um, we'll come back to this in the future, see if we can find any, you know, well-represented, accurate uh, to the sport movies uh, in in the future. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. Uh, if you would like to follow me, you can do so on Twitter at Circle of Film, Letterboxed at Circle of Film. Shoot me an email, circlefilm at gmail.com, especially if you have a top 100 or more movie list that you would like to share. If you would like to support the show, you can find me on iTunes. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. I'm sure there's one of those that you can't actually do on iTunes, but either way, 
Uh, or you can head over to patreon.com slash circle of film to, to subscribe for as little as eight cents an episode. If you would like to find more episodes, iTunes, as I mentioned, or head over to the website, circleoffilm.com, for all the other episodes and much, much more, including top ten lists, Circle of Film Award lists, reviews, uh, and so on and so on and so on. Thank you for listening one more time, and as always, have a week. So long, She fades from view. So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. Nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, oh, I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.